0: I don't know about you, but um, there's something about Christmas that just gets me really excited. All the preparations, what people do, how they prepare, make a list of the gifts they need to buy for people, how they prepare the meal, how they prepare to embark on a journey to meet family members, friends, or loved ones, and how they you know, the, the preparation process is what really amazes me about this season. But there is more to preparation than than just the meaning of Christmas. This morning I'll be speaking to you, and the topic says, and prepare. Can I hear you echo that back of me, please? And prepare. Amen. Before we go into this message this morning. Um, I'd like to say, please pardon my voice. I said to somebody that is like I'm going through puberty, joking. <laughs> anyway, can we pray, please? Um, dear Lord Jesus, this moment, this time is all about you, Lord. I'm just a vessel, I'm just an instrument to bring your word to your people. And I ask you, Lord Jesus strip me of everything that I think that I know or I understand, and fill me with your own spirit that reveals the truth, not just to me, but also to everyone in here and everyone watching online. I ask you, Lord Jesus, let your spirit, oh God, be released upon every heart, prepare every heart to receive this message. For the Bible says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Father, we thank you, Lord. And we say, Jesus, in your name we pray and ask that you be glorified in this message today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So before we start, I'd like us to go to Matthew chapter 25 from 1 to 13. It's a story that most of us are conversant with. You know the story you know what transpired in that story. But it is one thing to just read the Bible and just just read it for the sake of reading it. And there's something else about reading the Bible. Now, before we go into this message, um, a couple of months ago, um, I had a dream. Uh, I shared it with um, a couple of people in in, in church here. And I'll just say the dream the way it is. I I was in the dream and... um, I heard noise in my neighborhood, and I was wondering what that noise was about. So I woke up in that dream, and went um, to the master's bedroom window, and that overlooks part of my street. And I saw people lay on the floor; they were all screaming and shouting, and it was like a baby throwing a tantrum um, in a shop. Um, And I was like, "What is happening here?" and one of the people that I saw on the road screaming and shouting, rolling on the floor, he was pointing to the sky. And I was like, why is he pointing? He said, oh, that's Jesus. He's, he's coming. He's, he's coming. And, and I literally just saw people just being taken up to heaven. And while this man pointed up to heaven, I looked up and the light was so bright that I couldn't even behold the light. It was so bright, so piercing, And, you know, people were just going. And it was like happening from one house to another house to another house. Now, at that point, what I believe God said to me in that dream was that you need to pray for your neighborhood. You need to pray for the people in your neighborhood. Because the people in your neighborhood need to know who I am. They don't know who I am. They're just part of the neighborhood. They need to understand that I am God. I care about them as much as I care about you. So I say the same message to you this morning. You need to care about your, um, your neighbors, your neighborhood. Because if you as a light cannot reflect that light that Jesus has put in you into your neighborhood, then there is a big problem. There are two types of Christians I would like to explain when I read this. You have that Christian, that type of um, believer who just sees how the word of God and like, yeah, you know what? I'll just take this part of the word of God and I'll just leave this part away. Then you have those ones. I think I wrote it down here. It says um, believers and churchgoers. I have here, say, a churchgoer. Now, you need to ask yourself the question after I define what both of them are you would need to ask yourself, which category do you fall into as a person? Now, I'm saying the word we because I'm also referring to myself here. Now, when somebody stands up here to preach, it's not just preaching to you, it's also referring, preaching to themselves. Now, the, the world we live in has made it so difficult for you to appreciate who you are in Christ Jesus. I was speaking to some group of friends the other day about that Christ is coming again, and they laughed me to scorn. And that just took me back to um, the time of Noah when God said to Noah to build the ark. And Noah went about telling people that Christ will come again, and people laughed him to scorn. And I said to them, this is the same thing that happened in the time of Noah, that it will happen suddenly. And when it happens suddenly, you don't have any excuse to give God. He will tell you, did you not know that I'm going to come again? Oh, where? We're in the season where Christ is born. Hallelujah there is a season when he will return, and when he returns, he's not going to take an excuse from you or from me. He's going to say, "You had the word, you had everything to live for, but you chose this anyway." Let me not digress from what I'm talking about this morning. A church goer, listen to this very carefully, is a believer who acts like the world, not the word, not the Bible. They act like the world. They pick and choose what they want from the, from the Bible. Then a disciple is a believer who acts like Christ and lives the Word. Two things there, the world, the Word. The Bible says we should not love the world or the things that are in the world. Anyway, let me go to my scripture this morning. I just, I just you know, um, spice it up a little bit before we go into the main message. Um, If you will open your Bibles to the book of uh, Matthew 25, 1 to 13, please. It says, and I read, listen very carefully, then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lambs and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lambs and took no oil with them. I just stressed on that, no oil. But the wise took oil in their vessel with their lambs. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made. Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us, um, give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready, went in with him to the marriage. And the door was shut. 11. Afterwards came also the other virgin, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said unto them, Verily I say to you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Now that's a shock. Not really a shock, is it? Because we've had this several times and in several places. Now what does it mean to prepare? Like I said in the beginning, you can prepare for to die. Prepare your will to die, prepare yourself to go for a wedding, prepare yourself to give birth, prepare yourself to get married, prepare yourself to um, go on a long journey or prepare yourself to go for um, a procedure in the hospital. But there are different things you and I can prepare for. But the most important thing is preparing your mind and your soul for the God who created you. For when He comes, He's not going to say, oh, okay, I understand. And that's why the Bible says that there are two words he used there. He said, the wise and the foolish. There was nothing in between. It's just like when he says, on the day, I will say, I will separate the sheep from the goats. Now, he didn't call any other animal. He just said the sheep from the goats. So there are characteristics that are govern these two creatures. So you and I need to ask ourselves, where do we which role do we play in this? Are we the wise virgin or are we the, um, the foolish virgin? Now, just read this bit. Now, while studying, I came across this by um, D.A. Carson in the expository Bible commentary. This is how he described the whole certain. He says, normally, the bridegroom with some close friends left his home to go to the bride's home where there were various, numerous um, ceremonies followed by a procession through the streets. After nightfall to his home, the ten virgins may be bridegrooms who have been assisting the bride and they expect to meet the groom as he comes from the bride's house. Everyone in the procession was expected to carry his or her own torch. Those without the torch would be assumed to be party crushers or even um, brigands. The the festivities, which might last several days, would normally get on the way at the groom's house. The torch was either a lamp with a small oil tank and wick or a stick with a rock soaked in oil on the end of it which will require occasional resoaking to maintain the flame now this ten virgin the wise the bible says took oil with them and the foolish didn't take extra oil now if you remember the bible says that in Genesis that when God created the earth the world that he spoke the word and the holy spirit brought the word to be the Holy Spirit was the creative um, genius who made, who, brought the, who made everything come to pass. Now, this wise virgin, the Bible says that the word of God is a light unto our path and a light unto our faith. Now, the wise virgin did not just have the light, which is the word. They also had the oil. And the oil in the Bible, we do know represent the Holy Spirit. So this 10 virgins, out of the 10 virgins, 5 had not just the, um, the word, they also had the Holy Spirit. And when you mix the Holy Spirit and the word together, there's an explosion. It's not the Einstein kind of explosion I mean. It's not the atomic explosion I mean. This is an explosion that causes, that causes a difference, that creates things that have never been created before. And that is what the word and the Holy Spirit does together. Now, as a believer, you do not just rest on just knowing the Word. The Word has to be mixed with the Holy Spirit. Now, in this last days, the Bible says that men will be lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. Now, when you begin to love yourself more than God, that means you only know the Word to that aspect that you want to know the Word, and the Spirit of the Lord is lingering and asking, how can I come into this person's life and transform this person's life? without this person even realizing that they need me. The Holy Spirit will not force himself into you. He is a person. He is a person. He is, not a, he is not it. He is a person. Jesus went to heaven and said, look, I cannot be everywhere at every time. So I will send my spirit who will be here in America, in Littleport, in, in, in Manchester, at the same time, and be speaking to you in at different in, um, with different things at the same time. Now, when I started, I said there are two different types. Are you a churchgoer or are you a believer? Now, a believer says to himself, without the Holy Spirit, I'm nothing. A churchgoer says to themselves, oh yeah, do you know what? I'll just, I'll just stay with what the word says. No, you open your mouth and you say, oh, by his stripes I'm healed. But do you really believe that? I don't know. It is easy to say, Oh, yeah, the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When the challenges come, how would you face that? Would you be able to summon up the courage to be able to apply that word that you've just spoken without the Holy Spirit making the word? Holy Spirit, just like the icing on the cake. You know, the icing makes it very pretty. The icing is what invites you to eat the cake. If you like icing. The overall and, and easily seen trust of this parable is that Christ will return at an unknown hour and that his people must be ready. You and I must be ready. Now, last week Constance preached a me- um, two weeks ago Constance preached a message and she said, you need to be visible. You need to be, you need to be seen. You have the light to be seen, but you need the Holy Spirit to be to be seen even better, to be, to be more visible to the, to the eyes. He said, being ready means preparing for whatever contingency arises in our lives and keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. He didn't say keeping our eyes fixed on the, on the problem. He said keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. Because we're very good at keeping our eyes on the problem and not the problem solver. And he says, um, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus at all times, not sometimes. You know, a um, couple of months ago, Pastor Giles was preaching a message where he said he was on his phone and he almost rammed into a lamppost. Mine was like that, but not that way. I had my phone and I was just flicking through my phone like that like that just I was just endlessly engrossed in just going through my phone. And a voice just said to me, how many minutes, second, hour have you been on the phone? And gosh, that really. I just dropped the phone. I was so scared I dropped the phone. I like oh gosh. And you know what? I took a moment and I just pondered over it like but that's true. That's where we are. If you can text somebody About the person, why can't you text God first thing in the morning about you? It's so easy for us to be engrossed and soaked in our phones. But do you know what? We human beings would like to, you know, do something, we like to try our luck a second time. So I picked up my phone again and I was flicking through it. This time, guess what happened? Everything I flicked through was the word of God. I like God does love me, man. He does love me. And the way He deals with me is very interesting, very unusual. Even now I'm trying to understand it, I cannot understand it because that is how He deals with me. And I believe He deals with each and every one of us in different ways. It is about time you and I begin to understand that we have compromised with our faith a lot. Some of us have sold our faith away. We've just thrown it away. And it doesn't mean anything to us anymore. We just come to church the same way we are and we live the same way we come in. You don't come to church with great expectation. You come to church and worship is going on. And you just stand there, oh, when they're done, let them, let them, let me know when they're done with the worship, I need to sit down. God lives in your worship. Your worship means so, so much to him. If I am you, people, I will not compromise with my worship to God. This group of people that stand here, you don't know the sacrifice they put in every Thursday and every Sunday. But when you worship God, you're not just worshiping. You're not worshiping them. You're worshiping God. The words alone that go through on that board, on that display when when worship is going on, Is enough to change your life, is enough to bring healing, is enough to transform you. Worship is about you being where God wants you to be at that time. Nobody needs to force you to worship. Now, the wise virgin had the Holy Spirit. I bet they would not struggle to worship because the Holy Spirit would say to them, You need to lift your hands now, I need to come in, I need to strip you of everything that is stopping you from worshiping me. But the foolish, they only have the word. They do not have the Holy Spirit. And you know the interesting thing is that the Bible says in verse 12, um, sorry, the Bible says in 10, and while that the, the, the wise, this is interesting now, the wise said to the foolish, we can't give you this oil. No, no, no. Salvation cannot be transferred. When you give your life to Christ, it's between you and your God. Nobody goes to buy salvation. Oh, can I buy it off you? I, I heard you've given your life to Christ. Can I buy it off? No, it doesn't happen. No, 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 it doesn't happen. Your salvation is for you and you alone. And that's why every, every night I pray for my boys and I say to them, may God reveal himself to you so that you have your own testimony to tell. I'm not going to come and tell. Even though I tell you my testimony over and over again, you need to desire to want to know who God is. He's not going to force himself on you because he said, I stand at the door. Come on. He created you. He has every power to just open the door and walk in. But no. He's giving us choice. And that is what is killing humanity today, the choice that God has really given to us. We just abuse the privilege of of having a choice. The five virgins who have the extra oil represent the truly born again who are looking with eagerness to the coming of Christ are you am i and he goes on to say they have they have saving faith and have determined that whatever our cause be it lent lent lenty time or adverse circumstances when Jesus returns they will be looking with eagerness are you really or are we being swept away by the happenings of the world oh, what's the latest this? Oh, what's the latest that? Nobody says, oh, what's the latest thing God is saying about this situation that the government is saying? What's what's God saying about about my church? What's what's God saying about the group I belong to in my church? Everybody just, we are all just so engrossed and, and, and overwhelmed by the happenings in the world and forget that everything that is happening right now Is in the Bible. It shouldn't be a shock to you that things are happening. War is happening. Breaking out. Earthquake is happening. Flood is happening. It's there. It's it's there. I don't need to open it to show you. You need to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Trembling there is you reverencing God and making God understand that, look, I do not know anything about this, but I will appreciate and love for you to teach me. The humility of your heart is what God wants. What kind of sacrifice are you willing to give? The, ten, the five virgins that were wise, they were so eager to meet the maker. Are, you, are we really, as a church, are we really ready to meet with God? Or are we so engrossed with, oh, this, oh, that, oh, this, oh, I want the latest this, I want the latest that. There is no crime in having the latest thing, don't get me wrong. But when that thing comes between you And your creator, and what the Bible says about what where you're going to be and how you're going to get it, then it becomes a problem. The five virgins without the oil represent false believers who enjoy the benefits of the Christian community without true love for Christ. They are more concerned about party than about longing to see the bridegroom. You know, when you go for a party, ooh, ooh, sorry, my voice. <laughs> when you go to a party, and I love party. don't get me wrong, but Paul said, let us do everything in moderation. The Bible says, drink but don't get drunk. It's, it's as simple as that. You get drunk You expose yourself to attacks, but you don't know that, do we? It's it's just there in the Bible. The Bible says, do not steal, do not tell lies. He that lies is of the devil. It's enough reason for you to refrain from lying. Oh, people say, oh, it's it's white lie. People, lie is lie. You do not compromise lies. There is nothing like white lie or black lie. If you lie, you've lied. So he goes on to say, um, I'll read on. Um, Their hope is in that that their association with true believers. You know, they, they kind of, okay, yeah, she's a believer. She's spiritually sound. I'll just, you know, hang around her. Maybe in times of trouble, she'll protect me. No. No, it wouldn't happen. And it doesn't happen that way. One person's faith in Jesus cannot save another. I think I said that earlier on. The Lord, the Lord, Lord, I do not know you of verse 11 and 12. Now, imagine at the end of the day you go to to, to Christ and he says to you, I don't know you. Ouch, that, that really hurts, man. You don't want God to tell you that. You want to be that person where the Bible says, all good and faithful servants. That is what you want to hear. You don't want to hear, I don't know you. Imagine Christ coming now, and he looks at every one of us and like, I don't know you. You ask yourself, oh man, that is deep. It's better for humans to tell you, I don't know you, than your creator to tell you, I don't know you. May we not be found going away to make the purchase. The wise said to the foolish, yeah, yeah, you can hurry up, hurry up before the, um, the, um, the bridegroom comes. Just run along, you find oil. But it's interesting, though, that by midnight hour, they still found where to buy oil. So we wait till the last minute. Oh, Holy Spirit, I need you, I need you. And they like, oh, it's too late. He says, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. People, your maker, my maker is coming someday. And we need to be very careful how we live our lives. In our homes, in our neighborhood, in our places of work. You and I need to be very, very, I stress on the word, very, very, because for the past couple. The past couple of months, God has been speaking to me about his coming. People, fine, everybody will say, um, well, he's been saying this how many years ago? Oh, yeah, he's been saying it many years ago. But that gave birth to this message. Which virgin are you? Are you the one who knows the word and applies the word to your everyday life? Or are you the one who just, you know, I'd like to encourage you people to, if you don't have one, try and get one for yourself. Get a jotter. And when a word is being preached, I believe God, is, God takes every word that's been preached on this altar. There is a word that kind of ministers to you. Like I said, when Constance preached the other week, she said, you need to be seen, you need to be visible. And that kind of hits me and i wrote it down in my notes you're able to go back and read through your notes look at those scriptures except you have a magnetic brain which of course good luck to you with that but if you do not have a magnetic brain it's not all about you even if you have your phone you can still put a mess you can still put those words those, because for every single sunday you come to church or you watch online there is a word that god has prepared for your heart for that day I wasn't meant to preach today, people. As a Thursday, I had no voice to preach. I had no voice to preach. I said to Pastor Giles, I've lost my voice. I'm not sure I'm going to preach. And some lovely friends went into prayers for me to be able to speak. So hence the crooky voice. people where do you find yourself where do you want to be to be found do you want to be the wise virgin or do you want to be the foolish one you do not want the door to be shut on you when the master comes he will come whether we like it or not and when he comes would you be ready would you be prepared Would we as a church be prepared? Do not compromise on your faith. Do not compromise on the time you need to study the Word. Do not compromise on the time you need to speak with your master. You've had enough time looking at your phone. You've had enough time watching TV, Netflix, movies. There's nothing wrong with that. But ask yourself, the time I spend in doing that, how much of that hour, how much of that second, how much of that minute have I really assigned to God? How many? I'm guilty, I'm, I'm guilty of that too, so I'm not just pointing a kissing finger at anybody, I'm also talking to myself. When he comes, he's not going to take any excuses from any of us. As we take a good look at one of the, the parables of Jesus, the parable speaks more of the second coming. Now you ask your church, I ask you, he is coming to rapture his church. His church will not go through the tribulation. He said in the book of Revelation, the church will be raptured and only those that are ready, only those that are prepared. He says, we must acknowledge up front that there has been much debate as to the meaning of the word of our Savior in this parable. He says, we're expected to be prepared it might happen at any time. At least one aspect of this parable can be, can be known with absolute certainty. The bridegroom is Jesus Christ. And his parable describes his return and how we cannot take it for granted. God pictures himself as the husband of Israel. And this is in the New Testament. This is in John 3 27 to 30. Just write it down. And it's also in Matthew 9, verse 15. And it's also in Mark chapter 2, 19 to 20. Christ also pictures himself as the bride of the church. Now, who is the church? You and me. We are the church. He died for the church, he sacrificed everything for the church. So imagine somebody sacrificing everything for the church. Do you not think that that person hold his church so important that he had to sacrifice himself for the church? He could have done. He could have refused it and said, "Look, I'm not coming to do this." And no, he didn't. He said to the father, "I am going to do this for my people." And he's come and he's done it. Let's not take our lives for granted, church. Let's not take our positions for granted. For the grace of God that brings salvation. As appeared to all men, and that is Titus chapter 2, verse 11 to 14. Let's not take grace for granted as a church, let's not play with grace, let's not do things and say, Oh, we're forgiven. Grace, grace, grace. Yeah, we, are, we, we, we all like to hide under the umbrella of grace. Paul said, Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? and he ends up saying, God forbid. Let's not take grace for granted. Now, while I'm closing, we must be watchful of unrepentant sin, of false teachers, of false teaching. Of false doctrine. I believe you know what I mean by false doctrine. Where people try to make the word of God fit, fit their situation or fit, you know, forgetting that the Bible says whoever takes out from the Bible, something will be taken out of the person. And whoever adds, something will be added to the person. He says we must be watchful of, of sinful compromise of those who tempt us with sin, of those who try to violate your conscience or abiding convictions. We must be watchful of the wolves in sheep's clothing. We must be watchful of our own sin and the need to continue repenting. We must be watchful of the corrupt church. We must be watchful of the pride and conceit. We must be watchful of those that are watchful but without prayer and humility. He says, Watch therefore. Watch therefore. Watchful of baptismal regeneration, of those who have replaced their salt with sugar. The Bible says we are the salt of the earth. We have compromised our faith so much that we just decided, Yeah, I'll become a sugar instead of a salt. Of those who slander you by wrongfully calling you a Pharisee. (laughs) That's very interesting. I just thought I'd add that there, but yeah. The list is endless. You need to be watchful. As much as we enjoy this season, let us not forget the meaning of the season we're in. That this same God who gave his son to be born this season, it's the same God that will bring His Son. The Bible says not even the angels know when He's coming, but He will come. I'd like us to pray. Before I pray, I'd like to just read this final part. Charles Spurgeon said the following about the false converts. He said, Spurgeon said, Let us feign hope that we are not to gather from our Lord's word, that one half of the process, professing church, one half of the professing church is composed of those whom he calls foolish. Yet our Savior would not have spoken of so great a proportion if there were not really a very large Admixture of foolish professors, professors, sorry, with the wise professors of the grace of God. Now, what is he saying there? That God is mindful of calling people foolish. He'd rather call you a wise virgin than to call you a foolish virgin. So this morning you choose where you belong and where you want to go. Heavenly Father. I have said what you want me to say, Lord. I believe I've said it the way you want me to say it. But I pray for your church, Lord. Those present and those watching online. And we ask you, Jesus, look upon our hearts, oh God. You created us in your image and in your likeness. We say, Jesus, have mercy upon us, Lord. In any way we've sinned against you as a church. Or as individuals, we ask you, Lord, let us see repentance as something that you desire us to, to undertake, Lord. Create in us a clean heart, O Lord, and renew aright your spirit within us. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that, Father, this word has fallen on every heart. And that, Lord, you will help us and teach us through your Holy Spirit to see the need to know the Word and to have the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father, as we journey through this week, Lord. We ask you, Jesus, let your presence teach us to walk in faith, to walk in you, and to acknowledge you, Lord, in all that we do. We thank you for your grace and your presence that we will not be caught unawares with your coming, Lord but that we as a church we will be ready and will be prepared. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.